Let me emphasize that the situation is not of our making. Begin with, the white world defines who is white and who is black. In the USA, if one is not white, one is black. In Britain, if one is not white, then one is colored. In South Africa, one can be white, colored or black, depending upon how white people classify you. There was a South African boxer who was white all of his life until the other whites decided that he was really colored. Even the fact of either you are black or not is to be decided by white people, by white power. If a Jamaican black man tried to get a room from a landlady in London who said no colorates, it will not impress her if he said that he was West Indian, quite apart from the fact that she would already have closed the door in his black face. When a Pakistani goes to the Midlands, he's as colored as a Nigerian. Indonesian is the same as a Suriname in Holland. The Chinese and New Guineans have as little chance of becoming residents and citizens in Australia as do you and I. The definition which is more widely used the world over is that once you are not obviously white, and you are black and are excluded from power. Power is kept poor, milky, white. The black people of whom I speak, therefore, are non-whites. The hundreds of millions of people whose homelands are in Asia and Africa, with another few millions in the Americas. A further subdivision can be made with reference to all people of African descent, whose position is clearly more acute than that of most non-white groups. It must be noted that once a person is said to be black by the white world, then that is usually the most important thing about him. Fat or thin, intelligence or stupid, criminal or sportsman, these things pale into significance. You are attending as representatives of the Cybernetic International and Chile to the Congress of the Caribbean, a meeting of leaders all about, well, the Caribbean, South America, North America, and let's say countries with interests on the region, which is another word to say colonial powers. And well, first of all, you have kind of uh, have a blockade thing going on. So you had to travel to another country that we could actually get in a boat because the meeting is happening in the Eternal Island, Santo Bartolomeos, to the Anglophiles of you as Saint Bart. You are being accompanied by a soberana and the three of you are on the prow of the ship on this long days of voyage and chatting about well, whatever. Was Subrana part of the D&D group? No, I don't think so. Okay. okay. Yeah, it was, I, I believe she said that it was for nerds or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while, but I feel like that's just her vibe. I know that Kenyona said that. <laughs> um, Kenyona hates fun. No, she does not. <laughs> I just heard you take personal offense on behalf of your character. 
we have gone the we have gone through this with Alvin Paul. <laughs> I just, I, mean, I just can't wait to get to, get to. No, she loves fun. She enjoys dancing and literally <laughs> famous dancer. The opera. No, no, at the end, she loves. Fun. You know what? Do you guys think we would? This is an important poll for the Vox Populi. Do you think we would be playing Go Fish or Canasta? This is a great question because I don't know what Canasta is or how it works. So we're playing dominoes. The actual person you see of John Doe is carefully looking. So it's at least the three of us. Yeah, four people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she she was at least she was at least invited. I don't know if that's her jam, but she's definitely. No, of course, of course, she's Brazilian. Come on. <laughs> I, John Doe, very carefully like. And this, that is in character, John Doe asking about the rules and then just nervously putting down one piece. Yeah, so Brandon's being chill about that. Johnny is trying his absolute hardest not to see the future. Uh, also, it's it's not going to be very useful because with four plays, there's no boneyard. Oh, I guess that's true. Yeah, so the only thing that matters is the hands that everyone has. And uh, so Brandon is presenting this shield face, but... She's looking at the board and what everyone is playing, and you can see that she's calculating who played what and who has certain pieces or not. I imagine it's kind of, it's like the same thing as, it's the same feeling as a staring contest for Johnny, right? Like mm-hmm. it's the whole idea of trying not to blink, but it's just like trying not to like look at the future because if he loses concentration on it for like a second, he will instantly know what everyone has. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, then he will be aware of the things that were played on the future. And that's going to actually hinder his ability to know what has been played now. Because the question is more who played which pieces and when, than rather than they will be played. And Joachim just has this big, dumb look on their face like, uh, it's a piece down. It's the wrong piece. It doesn't go there. They have no idea what's going on. I feel like Johnny very quietly tries to explain again how the pieces are supposed to match up. No, they have to. So do you match them up with colors or numbers? What do you mean colors? They are all the same colors. No, no, no. Yeah, it's it, uh, the the number the number of pips on on a side has to match. They have like as they're touching, they have to match. Okay. Also, you're now you're now you're matching on the wrong pair. The one that you can open to the sides is the first pair. Oh, what? Here, let me show you. Here. That's sort of is that sort of advanced stuff. What are you talking? I want you know. I'm I'm just gonna say I wanted to play baccarat, but no, that's a weird spies game. Now hold on, as nobody told me baccarat was on the table, I would absolutely have played baccarat. It's not on the table. We have to go to the casino floor. But it's so nice outside. Oh no, I don't want to. I don't. No, it's it, it, yeah, it's really lovely out here. I don't want to go back inside. Too smoky in the casino. I mean, you guys are gonna be wandering around the island. I'm gonna be stuck on a congress center the whole time. I want to enjoy the open air. I start to get a little. Just I might seasick if I'm like, if I can't see the ocean and the movement and everything. Like I just you know, being stuck inside. I just I, I prefer to be outside. I I didn't know you guys 
It's just a touch. It's not like I'm not going to be, you know, just barfing the whole time. But, uh, you know, it helps to just once I'm outside, I just I feel fine. So you're going to Sandbart and uh, it's basically it's just a name for you. You know that it's a resort island that has been pretty famous lately among the rich as a place for health tourism. You know that uh, they have some kind of pharmaceutical and medical technology that makes it highly desired across the world. And you know that there are many world leaders and rich people that go to them for the special treatments. And you know that there is, there is some kind of uh, regional games that are organized them. And, and you know that they have a superpower royal family. That's pretty much what is common knowledge for all of you. And yeah, as you are playing and matches, matching dominoes, Sobrana goes on. So you understood your mission, right? Let's say I didn't. So there is the Congress of the Caribbean. This is happening. That's going to be our cover. And the trick is, have you noticed all the important dignitaries that are also on this boat going there? There are even more. This should not be the thing for a smaller event. The reason why so many people are being sent is that the country is currently in a regency state. The, the previous queen, Queen Eugenie Jolie, she died a few months ago at the age of 140. And there was this, how do you say, this designated hair, Princess Naguabo. And they have gone missing for decades but the queen she never gave up hope and she never properly appointed a successor you know there are two regents which are the the princes that are in the highest position within the royal family and it's very likely that one of them is going to be the next sovereign of house Jolie. it is important that let's say we have relationships with Saint Bart. There's a lot of money going around, and I'd say that it will be very helpful to work around the embargo if we had a friendly royal. Or, or, you know, just make sure that things don't go worse, whoever becomes the next king. And, I, yeah, again, I'm going to be on the Congress doing the things that actually the government gave us the tasks to do while you go around the island and... Uh, Try to see any of the candidates we should support, or I don't know. You do your thing, you know. I'm not telling my boss how to do his job, and uh, he's nodding at John Doe. I mean, there's one person who can stumble face first into secret things. I guess it is me. What do we know about the two regions? I guess, or do we not know anything? I mean, royal families with superpowers probably have reasons to keep secrets. Yeah. The one that is more known is Princess Yahima. Well, you probably saw, if you ever saw advertisements for the tourism of the island, you probably saw her. You know, woman in her late 40s or early 50s with a long braid. She is in the face of the island, projects of modernization, of turning itself to the needs of the world. She is pretty close to Western nations and their leaders and has invited many partners on the development of the tourism there. 
So, despite her smile, you might want to be careful there. The other one uh, is pretty reclusive. I only know the name, Prince Carl. They seem to be pretty reversed and uh, dedicated to the research of the scientific and arcane mysteries of the royal family on the island. That's all I know about them. That's not really my stuff. Fair enough. It is interesting. I know little about the non-superpowered members of the royal family, and uh, I know nothing about the, the missing princess. In fact, I don't really know much about the story of the royal family, I can be honest. I mean, hey, we're visiting the island, you know. Oh, time for some tourism. I packed my Hawaiian shirt. John Doe sits there thoughtfully. Yeah, I packed both my Hawaiian shirts. Anyway, uh, I'm going to the little girl's room. Catch you later. Fair enough. It is interesting. Oh, super-powered royal family. I mean, I thought those were kind of... I mean, Yoki, I know you don't have... It's going to sound terrible. Do you have kings where you're from? Uh, kind of. It's so... Kings are less hereditary, more like the only person nobody wants to beat the shit out of. Either they're really strong or they have a lot of friends that are really strong or they give away a lot of stuff, you know? I mean, generally, that's what's what most kings are. It's just the person nobody wants to beat the shit out of. Huh. So it's like the opposite of around here. The, yes, it's, it's one of the big adjustments we've had. Hmm. Do I mean, and, and I, I know Hyperborea has some very unique magics and such. Are they often superpowered? I mean, you, you know, technically, I don't have what Hyperborea would consider superpowers. It's more like religious practice that just manifests itself through the spirits of the area. So technically, most of our people are superpowered, but it's kind of odd. Since we, we do have like other, like what you would consider normal superpower people, because a lot of our culture is built upon, you know, people who've survived shipwrecks or falling off a boat near our area and just wash ashore. It's kind of amazing they all survive. I mean, fair. They, they survive the water, but that's some sort of weird magic that our island has that seems to draw a lot of shipwrecked peoples here to there. But. So I guess when we land. Maybe we'll do some touristy stuff, see what we can learn about the royal family before we start trying to meet up with anyone. And uh, you'll see a lot of uh, dignitaries of different countries are mingling around. And you'll see that uh, someone seems to be talking with the waiting staff and sailors. And uh, I'm going to say, Hiroman, you immediately recognize them because... They are, after all, one of the greatest scholars of the third world, the recently elected president of Guyana, President Rodney. And uh, he seems, yeah, he seems to be talking with the workers of the ship more than with the other dignitaries. And uh, yeah, when was the last time that uh, you had the opportunity to attend one of the lectures from Walter Rodney? Well, I feel like it's probably like just before the events of this podcast because we've been pretty busy but like I mean prior to this I think like you know whenever lots of big superhero stuff isn't going on that's I mean like you know if if he has the time Johnny tries to go to things like that like that's you know 
just feels to him like doing his due diligence as far as like, you know, being engaged in the world. I'm not sure how long it's been since we started. Neither do I. Yeah. So we'll say whatever that was like two months before that. Yeah. Which again, probably the last lecture run that uh, he did before he actually was elected and now has to lead Guyana. So, yeah. So that is actually pretty recent. So how did you took a successful election? I mean, probably pretty favorable. You know, I mean, obviously, I guess there are some more nuanced ideological differences between what we do and what he does. But I mean, it's kind of the same thing as I've mentioned previously. Like overall, Johnny sees leftism at large as a positive thing. So even if it's not even like explicitly the flavor that we're used to, um, he probably still sees these ideas as valuable. So I imagine he enjoyed the lecture and, you know, yeah, this guy seems great. Yeah. <laughs> sorry for the sorry for the very generic answer, but like this dude seems cool. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's another person that uh, this one even uh, <laughs> recognizes that he's talking with the other dignitaries. Uh, it is Henry Kissinger. Wait, is this the one? Oh, kill. is this Kill Bill music starts playing? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Kill Bill music starts playing for literally all three of them at once. It's like that cool thing where like the screen splits three ways and like you just see lines come in from either side of the screen and three sets of eyes all hit the center at the same time and narrow. It's like in, in GoldenEye. It's like it's a it's a four a quarter screen thing. And it's the same deal. There's one line comes up from the bottom, one from the side. There's four sets of eyes, all see Kissinger and Narrow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, and uh, my non-binary companions, maybe we should go uh, help our comrade there get away from that. Yeah, and there's also another third person that stands out from the dignitaries, is that you see a bunch of people in obvious KGB uniforms, and among them, there seems to be these young kid, basically, on their 20s, sorry, very excited, uh, muscular and just large, so large they barely have a neck, it's just a wall. Yeah, just shouting very eagerly with uh, other dignitaries, and you realize that, oh, the Soviet Union also sent the detachment in force, and uh, well, they are openly KGB people, so you know that they're not here to play nice. Well, it looks like everyone's trotting out somebody. Who do you think the Americans sent? Again, Kissinger. You know they didn't send Kissinger alone. Why would you? Yeah, who did they send with Kissinger? I don't know. You want to find out? But you think they wouldn't be too far from their charge, I mean, especially considering his popularity. Do we see any more freaks? Uh, well, I <laughs> tell me about the freaks. Tell me about the freaks. Uh, you do because you hear a familiar voice behind you. Well, 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 if it was not the little deserter slash war criminal slash traitor, and you recognize immediately the box of Carter walks. So, who do you see as you turn around? I just went into a panic spiral. <laughs> so what I'm seeing is a guy, he's about 6'4", 
this person is a specimen, like physically speaking, like every muscle visible, like perfectly developed in phenomenal shape. He has over the top, very bright blonde hair that is probably starting to gray just a little tiny bit. I'm just around the edges has very kind of has brown eyes, but like kind of in a sharp sort of they have that kind of like a uh, twinkle of just like a hint of being dangerous in there. And as soon as Johnny hears his voice, Johnny just cannot th- like, I mean, it's it, like it, it cuts through this, like that strategic thing that's always going on in his head. It cuts through his sort of extrasensory perception of, of timelines. Like he can just feel the blood pounding in his head and ears. I mean, his tongue turns to lead. He can't think of anything to say. He just feels this rising rage coming up from his gut and and sitting behind his chest and building up. I think even without like realizing it, his hands have gone to his hips where he has sidearms and he's not going to draw them, but like it's just become so reflexive that he that he wants to like he wants to pull out guns and start shooting right now. That's the only thing he can think about. I think he is fully speechless, like could not come up with words to say if he wanted to. John Doe doesn't need hyper perception to see that. And John Doe does see all of that tension and just very calmly. Uh, he keeps the fistful of dominoes he has in his hand and looks and just, well, uh, before we start hurling what you clearly think is pejorative, where I come from, we introduce ourselves. Yeah, Johnny, why don't you introduce me to your friends? This isn't a cotillion, friend. I, I want to know who you are out of your mouth. Uh, I'm Colonel Carter Walks. Hi, I'm John Doe. Yeah, I'm here with the American delegation, keeping an eye on uh, the nerds, you know? Oh. I'm not going to lie. I know we got further than that. When I hear the words Colonel Carter Wax, I mean, I'm going to try and hurt him. He can't stop himself. Sorry, gang. (laughs) Sorry about this. Hey, Sam, is it okay if Joachim tries to stop you knowing that this... Please, Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. Like this. Absolutely. Joachim will try and hold you back. Okay. Okay. So this is going to be is Joachim uh, first to do a hinder and then, uh, yeah. And then, uh, then we have an attack. John is also going to do a quick hinder. Okay. So a minus four hinder. Go, go. Okay. I think, I think this is the most literal version of spin and shoot. Like I'm, I, this is functionally like quick drawing. So yeah. Uh, so that's a one. So that's still damage. So both of these pistols would be silenced just because we are in the middle of people. <laughs> also, cartoon slash Hollywood silenced. Yeah, exactly. I like I just quick draw both of these pistols and fire them like almost simultaneously. One goes wide. I'm just all together. And I'm guessing that eight is to defend. Yes. Yeah. So that means he does not take damage. Yeah, he did not. The other one, I think, gets very close to connecting, and then I'm like, honestly, he probably just sidesteps it. Yeah, just like, you know, barely visible, just the minimal movement. Yeah, like, I think one of them goes wide actively because Joachim just grabs that arm and moves it. John, I think, probably gets hands on the other one, but not before the bullet fires, and Carter just sidesteps it. (laughs) Oh, my... You know, you're shooting guns. 
Wow, wow, these mosquitoes here, right? Tropical climates, it's another thing one could almost become. They are to confuse their uh, their wings with, uh, I don't know, fire again? But can you imagine the panic that that would cause in a deck full of the most important people in the planet to just hear gunshots? It's terrifying. And the crew and the staff of this ship, who knows how many have lent a year to the right person. Would I be aware at this point that he is attempting to use that pheromonal control to like soothe everybody, specifically like myself and my companions? No, he's implying that he has used that to control the entire crew. He don't want to figure them. He's basically holding them hostage for your nice behavior. I think it's more likely than anything that like even though I'm hearing all of that, like I feel like the other two are probably having to like force me to put my ar my arms back at my sides and like I mean it's just like we are in a full state of seeing red right now. Like I did literally put this into the description. Straight up, if Johnny sees him, he's gonna try and kill him. Yeah, I was counting on that. <laughs> I think as John Doe is like putting his arm down with one hand and breaking down the pistol with the other. Thank you. Down to components. Yep. Why don't you go fuck off to Kissinger's lap? Oh, I will. I'm sure he's trying to fuck somebody he shouldn't. <laughs> uh, well, you are American. You know us very well. Um, what do I have to roll to spit in Carter's face? <laughs> Just spit it. Okay, I do. I spit. I, I like uh, no joke. Like as soon as that's happened, like I literally try to spit directly in his eye. Yeah, he spit directly in his eye and he laughs again. There's no merit to this laughter. It's almost robotic. Now, Johnny, congratulations, I think, are in order. Parenthood can be such a delightful experience. Can you imagine my surprise to figure out that your child is attending the same college as my child? They are friends. And he shows you a photo taken a few weeks ago in Tokyo where you can see Tiffany and uh, Void Walker on their Eliza Elias going to the park for ice cream with Carter. What a delightful child you have. If you're going to keep harassing us, I'm going to use my official authority as a member of System 4 to get you booted out of this fucking conference. So why don't you take that picture and walk the fuck away? I try. I think, honestly, like now that Johnny has been restrained and he's kind of spat and this like initial wave of rage has sort of settled a bit and he's had the chance to see this picture of Voidwalker. He looks up at Carter and he says, Wax, you better keep your smug fucking face far the fuck away from me because I swear to God on everything that I have. If I have the chance, I am going to make you feel every bit of the pain I saw you inflict on those people. You fucking monster. He's already walking away, stepping backward. Hey, don't stay in any of the business of Kissinger this week, and we'll be just fine. You don't even need to notice. I don't think Johnny responds. He's just like, you're just absolutely glaring at him. It's just dripping with hatred. Yeah, and you can see, uh, you can see the, the young KGB officer pointing at him. Hey! 
You're Vox Americana, aren't you? Mm, starting shutting up. You need anything? A drink? Uh, as they hand you back your gun. Little damaged. Probably shouldn't fire it until you get it a good cleaning, but still. I don't think Johnny really looks at it. Probably makes a note of that in his head, but like just holsters it. It's that thing where you get so genuinely just furious that you almost become tired immediately after. Like he sort of leans on here mm-hmm. and puts a hand on their shoulder and he says a drink would be very much appreciated. Kim raises his hand and say, hey, Garson, Garson to one of the waiters who is obviously not a young child at all. And is probably really offended that I'm saying this. <laughs> I think in ordinary conditions, Johnny would know to correct Bezerk here, but like right now, just it's blue screen. I hear us what the you're what you're supposed to say on these fancy French ships. It's all in this book. <laughs> the equivalent of this time period is French for dummies, a really bad translation book. It's one it's one of those like seventies travel books that's marketed explicitly at Americans and no one else. Exactly. An American's guide to Francais. Yeah, exactly. As the waiter walks over, Johnny looks over at him and he says, I'll take a, um, can I have a triple Johnny Walker? Neat. Sir, gentlemen. And he walks away to get to your drink. So what do you do in the meantime? Joachim's giving you a, like a massage because you probably don't realize it yet. You, you probably got hurt in that altercation from both John and Joachim trying to stop you at the same time. And it's just like that adrenaline flow is now starting to get out of your body and you're starting to feel the actual injuries you receive from being from, from the stoppage of two incredibly strong people stop trying to stop you from shooting somebody in cold blood. Well, not really cold blood, but pretty much in the middle of a situation that would have been pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm almost certainly, I mean, like it's, I, I think it's partly both the fact that, Y'all are both extremely strong and also like realistically speaking, Johnny was putting everything that he could into those muscles. So there is probably like some some strain going on. So almost certainly, yeah, I've I have sustained a, a couple of very mild injuries. Mm-hmm. Is is Carter Wax still within eyesight? Yeah. I'm still staring at him. Johnny? I thought for a second, as John Doe is now reassembling the pistol that he disassembled, that you were going to turn your spit to acid or something else unpleasant. I take it he's from the war. That motherfucker was the war. Uh, Well, that explains the reaction. Do you want to talk about it now or later? Perhaps we should go back to the room for a bit. Uh, I'll leave a note for yeah, Serrano uh, after the whiskey triple with whatever triple Johnny Walker or whatever. I think that might be a good move. And then we'll discuss it, this issue at length. Sorry if I bent your pinky back. Sorry. As the waiter comes back uh, with a glass that, I, I mean, if I'm understanding correctly, that would be roughly six ounces of whiskey. Johnny takes it, slams it in one, sets it back on the tray and puts some... Would this be an environment where... Tipping is a thing. I know that's sort of nitpicky, but I think this is an environment when the bill for your room is going to include the tip. I, I would just like pull some money out of out of my pocket and like give it to him anyways and say thank you, and then just like wordlessly turn and start walking back towards the room because he heard the words 
like, let's go back to the room. And now he is like kind of moving into uh, everything's mechanical now. It's all just he's just following steps. Joachim will tell the the waiter that if our fourth member asks, tell him that we went back to the room, just leaving a note. So Subrana knows where we went. Subrana uses she, her, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So tell her. Tell John Doe is wax looking at us. Nah, she's no longer in sight. He's hiding somewhere in the crowd. I was about to say, because if he's in sight as they leave, I've got something I want John Doe to do. If if he can pick out Carter Wax in the crowd. I mean, if you went to look for it, you're going to find him. Uh, John Doe stands up, picks up one of the dominoes, finds Carter Wax in the crowd, and flicks the domino at him to get his attention. It works. And when he turns to look, John Doe just very calmly probably with it's the first time we're seeing it on John Doe's face. We've seen this smile on the CIA guy's face and maybe even on Felix's face as he raced down the mountain with Monocle but as that equally cruel and mirthless smile is on John Doe's face, John Doe makes the classic finger guns makes one finger gun at Wax winks and walks away as that turns in, you hear a voice next to you. Now, that is a face that I recognize. And uh, you see President Rodney uh, getting close to you with the nervous smile on his face. Oh, President Rodney, I uh, does John Doe know him from this life? Well, yes. Fair, fair answer. Uh, President Rodney, how are you doing? <laughs> you really don't remember me, don't you? I mean, yes, I've read your book. Hmm. I'm surprised that you're alive. Uh, President Rodney, if you're, uh, if you're talking about any event from beyond about a year and a half ago, I, I don't remember any of that. That was a, an old me who I'm not anymore. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. Yes. Nice to meet you. So, the thing is, I think I might be the last guy that you tried to kill. Oh, I'm... Because we are pretty sure that we killed you. Well, uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you guys thought you killed me. Well, I'm actually relieved that you are alive because I should have been dead. You got into my boat. You were almost to kill us and you hesitated for some reason. And that's when you were taken out and fell, well, dead into the ocean. Uh... Hold on. Uh, John Doe pulls out one of his many little notebooks. What was the date of that? Yeah, again, it was exactly one year and a half ago. And where was it? Oh, it was uh, off the coast of Guyana. Hmm. That's interesting. Well, like I said, that was the old me. I'm John Doe now. I, uh, I work with System 4. Hmm. But was it? Because, as I told you, it was clear that you were going to kill me on behalf of the USA that you hesitated before you might uh you might have been there for the birth of who I am now I don't remember those early days clearly I uh my first memories are coming to in an LA city street but Mm. I don't doubt it and personally I'm glad I uh I did hesitate and failed well someone else kept trying but they sent worse people 
Well, worse assassins with worse morals. I'm glad that you found your way. I, I've seen your work. It's good. John Doe almost tears up at that. He holds it back, but just, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry that they said worse people. You know, if you need anything, System 4 is always there to help. Yeah, I know. I know. I would love to see what you could, what ideas you could bring. We are very curious about the possibilities of the cybernetic organization. Well, I'll put in some calls. I'll definitely, I'll make sure. Do so. Thank you so much. I, I needed this. Stay safe. If you need anything, we'll be around. Hey, just keep the, keep, get the KGB and the Vox Americana weirdos off my back. This way I can, uh, will be, you know. Square. He gives you this gentle tap and walks away. With John Doe's more traditional smile, he uh, then quickly cuts to join them in the room. So we are back in our room. Is it like a stateroom? Are we in like something nice? Or is this like kind of just a, a cabin? I would say it's kind of like cabin, but a nice one. Okay. Probably, you know, it's either individualized or paired cabin. So maybe either the four of you have four different cabins or uh, you're sharing pairs. This would be probably a, a relatively small room then. I'm assuming we're probably in single cabins, but they are still fairly small. So it is kind of a tightly crowded room. Johnny is sitting on his bed and is cleaning and reassembling these pistols. I mean, again, it's it's the same as when he walked back to the room. It's very mechanical. Like this is just a very rote process for him. There's no intent of like threat behind it. And he does this, I think, in relative silence for a good minute before when John comes back in and the first thing he says to both of them after he actually like looks up and makes eye contact is thank y'all for stopping that. Um, that would have that would have turned bad really quickly. And I uh, I wasn't myself. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I uh, lost control there for a bit. Wax Wax was functionally in charge of the American forces uh, in the war. And um, I called him a monster, but that's putting it very mildly. I saw that man do things that were uh, just evil beyond evil. Uh, I know we've fought some pretty pretty shit folks, but uh, I don't think we've ever met anybody as as just truly soulless as that man. He, um, certainly the most successful of the... uh, of the super soldier uh, trials that were run. And uh, obviously, you know, peak physical condition, phenomenally gifted in all physical forms, combat and otherwise. He has this thing. He excretes this pheromone. It gets in people's heads. He'll, they'll do what he tells them to. When he was talking about the crew earlier, I imagine they, I mean, he has got them very literally under his control. I saw him do horrible things with that. I mean, you know, we were fighting the war and there were guys on the other side, but I saw him in a language that they don't even understand, give them orders to, they did whatever he told them to. If he could get into their heads, they'd do anything he wanted. If Wax is here, whatever the Americans are doing, it's high priority. That man is better than a battalion. I mean, he's the most effective 
military operative, perhaps in in U.S. history. I don't. I mean, there might be others. I don't know. Uh, certainly, the most effective that I know about. Everyone on this boat, even the three of y'all, are in unbelievable danger. Um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, I guess I knew I'd see him again. I just didn't know when it'd be. I hadn't really worked out what I was going to do when I saw him, but I guess that basically sums it up. Right as he says that, Johnny snaps the last piece of this pistol together, just like snaps the clip into place and like cocks it. And then just without like, I mean, like looks at it for a second. I mean, for maybe just a moment too long and then tucks it back into the holster and looks up at the other two. Johnny, you don't got to apologize. We all got our foibles. If your worst foible is wanting to put a bullet in a really, really piss poor excuse for a human being. All right. Copacetic. It's it ain't just. It's not just for morality reasons. It's personal. And if you're ready to talk about that, we can talk about it. But till then, you're good in my book for that. We just got to be careful. I don't want to start nothing while we're at any kind of diplomatic level. Now, Johnny, before you even finish that thought, you know how our luck runs. Statistically, before the end of this conference, we're going to have to fight that guy. That's what keeps me uh, calm in situations like this. Just the tiniest little tweak of like a half smile hits Johnny's face when John says that and then he kind of finishes the thought when things invariably turn to violence y'all are damn near probably just about the only friends I got maybe save a couple folks back home I can't have wax getting in y'all's heads y'all gotta steer clear I'm gonna I'm gonna have to take care of him well there's already plenty in my head I'm not sure he could fit but if you wish us to Leave you to this vendetta, we, I, I can. But if I see you getting in too much danger, I, I will intervene. I lost most of my sense of smell due to uh, a lot of punches in the face over the past year and a half. So I might be okay. But if you want us out, we're out. Just, y'all know I always prefer to have you just watch my back. If I can have you there, I want you there. But there's a lot that went on during all of that that I... uh I don't sleep too well because all that. I don't ever want anything that happens to y'all to be a, another reason I'm up at night. So when it comes down to settling it, at the end, it needs to be between me and him. I respect it. On a slightly lighter note, might have found out the birth of me. Apparently, I tried to assassinate uh, President Rodney. Then I hesitated. Then his uh, his guys whooped me, threw me in the ocean, and couple weeks later, I was John Doe. Hmm. Well, ain't that something? Wonder what made you hesitate. I do, too. It doesn't sound like that was sort of the M.O. of uh, the other guy. Yeah, it's curious, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm, you know, per usual, I'm glad you're here. And uh, frankly, knowing sort of your track record, I'm glad Rodney's here. I've uh, been to a couple of his lectures. Man's a pretty, uh, pretty big thinker. I respect him a lot. So new operation parameters. Watch out for Vox American. And I'm curious as to who this KGB agent is. I'm sure they've got some tricks up their sleeve. Maybe we can make them fight. If we make them fight, I am willing to bet that the outcome of that is not even. I mean, don't get me wrong. Vox is going to win. It's just a matter of does he win because that person belongs to him from that point forward? Or does he win just because he you know, regular takes them out. Is Subarana with us yet, Lucretia? 
Yeah. She's just been very quiet because she's like, I don't even know what to say this. Yeah. I don't have your stuff. Yeah, yeah. I did not sign for this. I left you alone for five minutes. (laughs) Right. I only needed to go for pee. Just to refresh my own memories of Subaran as a character, is she like the resident system for himbo? I don't know what the... Kinda. Herbo? Herbo is the is the <laughs> is the etymologically correct term. Thank you. Okay, I'm just trying to make sure that I know I know how to how to move around Superana. Careful because she's very big and muscular. <laughs> okay, all right. I uh, look up at Superana and I say, Superana, you don't know nothing about that uh that person from the KGB, do you? I ain't never heard of him before. Never seen him before. Oh, yeah, I do. What's uh What's their deal? They work for Androvov, you know, one of the two co-premiers, the KGB leader. So they are on their faction. He's from the Moldovan Republic. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I know him because his mother is Latin. So he's mixed heritage. You know, for a lot of people that uh, in the 60s, they were working together and back and forth was studying in Moscow and whatnot. I know their parents were of one of those whole groups teaching people in either, either side. Yeah. He, he is a sorcerer and a pretty powerful one. Despite their youth, they, they got pretty close. The codename is Red X. Grigory Tarlev. Johnny says, I don't think I've dealt with any sorcerers of any kind at this point. John? Yo- I mean, Yoki, me... Well, we, we, we kind of did them in those word. Oh, the, uh, the, the, the twins. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I suppose that's kind of true. I mean, really? You've never fought a wizard? I don't think so. That's, I mean, you know, I, like... I think you've seen most of my purview is just, uh, you know, folks who got superpowers from one way or another or uh, in honestly an unusually high number of cases, just like things in mech suits. I mean, that's that's 90 percent of superhero. Yeah, we got to fight dudes. We got to fight dudes and ladies and everybody wears a mech suit. And and then, you know, obviously, like just aliens a few times now. Yeah, don't think I've ever uh, gone toe to toe with, with somebody who could just do magic. I mean, remember, uh, Philip could do magic, too. Some of his super science was magic. Wait, is that true? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember that part. I think John believes that to be true. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I vaguely remember this happening. I just assumed it was, I just assumed it was weird porpoise science. I mean, any sufficiently advanced science, you know, I'm sure we'll figure it out. Yeah, no, of course. I've seen Star Trek. That's a teaser for that's a teaser for what's to come. What's Star Trek? Yeah, I didn't have time to watch Farthest. I uh I was too busy reading books. Uh yeah, I've seen every episode. Honestly, I would, it, it's all right. You know, like a I'd say like a 6 out of 10. It's it's, it's solid. There's some good episodes. Yeah, no, I don't think I've uh, ever really gone toe-to-toe with a sorcerer before so i guess that's worth keeping an eye on anybody else i mean it sounds like y'all are a little more familiar than me well most most sorcerers are like 
complicated because like all superheroes they're all different they all specialize in different aspects you can't really do a generalist magic if you really do it's kind of uh, you know it's, it's kind of dumb you know you're, you're a jack of all trades master of none but still uh, they usually have some sort of defense some sort of attack some sort of Joachim goes into like a dissertation of how they how they've seen wizards work and warlocks work and stuff like that. I mean, I think Joachim and I can agree on this one simple fact: if you punch them real hard, usually you're okay. Yeah, you know, I have something that's kind of it, it's kind of like a it's kind of like punching, but it's sort of extremely fast and very small. And I think that'll probably work just fine. Yeah, it's bullets. Bullets is what I mean. Stop making stuff up. Crimson Gold Agonies is an associate of Court Games and D20 Radio. Joaquin Jarve, aka Berserkir, is played by Brent Torreson. They can be found at Copper Credit almost everywhere. Check out their other podcasts, Splinters of Jade and L5R Thriller Actual Play. They are available for editing work. Message them for rates. Johnny Jennings, aka The Highwayman, is played by Sam Sedlachter. They can be found at SGCA Delaysec on Instagram and Young Space Dead on Twitter. They are largely impressive. John Doe is played by Bradley Handler. You can follow him at Judge the Barbarian on Twitter or as co-writer on Split Roll, where he screams his opinions at you. Ludo handles the rest. You can find them at The Lettel and more of her stuff as Agonizing Crimson at Itchio or co-writing Split Roll. Sentinel Comics RPG is the property of Greater Than Games and designed in collaboration with Critical Hits. Crimson Gold Agonies is possible through the support of listeners like you. You can support us on Patreon or even better, you can review us on iTunes and you can spread the word because there is no better way to get into a podcast just because a friend told us about it.